0: Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome to Cross Point Church and friends of Cross Point on this first Sunday of Advent. I have a picture that I'm sure is familiar to all of you. We see it in, in plays and in dramas and in movies at this time of the year, and many of us have a nativity set probably in our home. And we know all the characters in that scene. There are, of course, the shepherds uh, from the hills just outside uh, Bethlehem. There are the wise men who traveled all the way from a distant land. And then, of course, we assume that in a nativity set, in this scene, there would be an animal or two since it all happened in a stable. And then, of course, you have Joseph and you have Mary, and the infant Christ child. Did you ever get to play a part in a Christmas play or drama? If you did, why don't you tell uh, Pastors Ben or Mike about that online right now? Maybe you got to be a shepherd. You remember the days before churches invested in uh, real uh, outfits and a shepherd would maybe be a bathrobe and a towel around the head? and maybe a curtain rod bent for the staff. Maybe you got to play a wise man. Then you would have sort of an an upscale fancy house coat. Maybe you got to carry your mom's jewelry box as the gift representing the gold or the frankincense or the myrrh. Maybe you got to play Joseph. Did you get to play Mary, any of you? I got to play the innkeeper once, and about 11 years ago, our daughter Kate got to play Mary, and her infant son Lincoln got to play the Christ child in the Moncton Wesleyan Church's living Christmas tree. Well, today and the next two Sundays, we're going to look at three who played what we're calling minor parts in the Christmas drama. Two of the three we're going to look at these three weeks didn't make this scene, This scene, of course, depicts the greatest story ever told. And these three weeks, we want to tell you the rest of the story. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for all of those who are under the sound of my voice who are watching on this day. I pray that this Christmas would truly be a Christ-centered Christmas. A Christmas that would be honoring to you, pleasing to you. And Father, for those listening, watching, may your Holy Spirit, these next moments, inspire us, convince us, convict us. We pray this prayer in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Do you know the expression, good old, and you put the name in there, good old Bill, good old Jesse, whatever, usually that expression is spoken in in admiration of someone who has been around a while. It carries a meaning that they are a solid, dependable, steady-as-she-goes kind of person. Well, that would be Elizabeth, good old Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Now, she doesn't appear in what we often think of as the Christmas story. Actually, Elizabeth appears in the pre-Christmas story. So for the next moments, let me tell you some of the story and read you some of the story. It's found in the Gospel of Luke, third book in the New Testament, and in the very first chapter. And we're beginning Luke 1, verse 5. It reads... It all begins with a Jewish priest, Zechariah, who lived when Herod was king of Judea. Zechariah was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. Good old Elizabeth, that's where the good comes from. And we read on, careful, they were careful, to obey all of the Lord's commands and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and now they were both very old. Good old Elizabeth, that's where the old comes from. Well, husband Zechariah is serving in the temple, and one day an angel appeared to him with good news. Back to the scripture in verse 13, Zechariah, God has heard your prayer, And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. Now that would be John the Baptist. Verse 14, you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice with you at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or hard liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will persuade many Israelites to turn to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah, the prophet of old. He will precede the coming of the Lord, preparing the people for his arrival. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will change disobedient minds to accept godly wisdom. Now, Zechariah was skeptical. His response went something like this. Are you serious? Us having a baby at our age? Responds the angel Gabriel, okay then, since you didn't believe me, you won't be able to speak until he is born. Now we go back to the scripture, verse 21. Soon afterward, his Wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. Well, then the scene changes, and Luke then tells the so very familiar story of the angel appearing to Mary to announce that she will give birth to the Christ child Now back to the story of Elizabeth in verse 39, and it reads, A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Elizabeth would be her cousin. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, you are blessed by God above all other women, and your child is blessed. What an honor this is, that the mother of my Lord should visit me. When you came and greeted me, my baby jumped for joy the instant I heard your voice. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Then we go to verse 56 and we read, Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. Then the time came and Elizabeth's baby was born, verse 59 of chapter 1. When the baby was eight days old, all the relatives and friends came for the circumcision ceremony. They wanted to name him Zachariah after his father, but Elizabeth said, no. His name is John. Good, solid name, don't you think? What, they exclaimed, there is no one in all of your family by that name. So they asked the baby's father, communicating to him by making gestures. He motioned for a writing tablet, and to everyone's surprise, he wrote, His name is John. Instantly, Zechariah could speak again, and he began praising God. Wonder fell upon the whole neighborhood, and the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Everyone heard about it, reflected on these events, and asked, I wonder what this child will turn out to be, for the hand of the Lord Is surely upon him in a special way. So there you have it. There you have the story of good old Elizabeth. So, for these next few moments, I'd like for us to take a look, a closer look at good old Elizabeth. And I want you to notice three things about her. And here's the first I want you to notice her unshakable faith. I see her unshakable faith in three different incidents in the story that we just read together. Incident number one, verse seven, they, meaning Zachariah and Elizabeth, had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and now they were very old. Now, the primary role of a woman back in that time, the primary role of a woman would be to bear children. And if you didn't, it was often thought to be a punishment from God. It wasn't, of course. And it was also considered to be, to be without child, to be a disgrace. But Elizabeth, she just kept right on believing. She just kept right on serving. She just kept right on trusting. Unshakable faith. Incident number two, when Zachariah was told by an angel, Your wife is going to have a baby, he didn't believe her, but Elizabeth did. Unshakable faith. Incident number three, when Mary's angel visitor left her after telling her she would give birth to the Christ, what did she do? Well, I'm just guessing here, but probably she told her parents. How do you think that went? Picture that scene. Mary speaks, uh, Dad, uh, Mom, sit down. I've got something to tell you. Now they're seated, and she says, I'm going to have a baby. What? Can you imagine their response? What? Mary, what have you done? Mary, who is the father? And Mary's response, I haven't been with any man. An angel appeared and told me I would give birth to the Messiah. Now I ask you, who, who would believe such a thing? Years ago, a country group called the Statler Brothers sang a song and the lyrics to the song go like this. There are people who are whispering and the rumors are running wild. There's a woman who's not married, but she's gonna have a child. Her name is Mary, she's a virgin from down in Nazareth. Now listen close. She's going to marry a man named Joseph, but the baby's father is the Holy Ghost. And then the refrain goes, and who do you think could believe such a thing, could believe that the story is true? And who do you think could believe such a thing? Well, here's hoping to heaven you do. Now, the question I would ask is, who who did Mary think would believe such a thing? And we go to verse 30, and we read these words. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to visit who? Good old Elizabeth. Mary had to be thinking, Elizabeth has faith. Elizabeth has an unshakable faith in God, and she has faith in me. Elizabeth will believe me. Let me ask you today, how's your faith? The world is shaking all around us is your faith unshakable carl was a lifelong bible teacher and he found his faith troubled in his final years a degenerative nerve disease confined him to his his bed impeding him from most of the activities that he that gave him great pleasure meanwhile his 39 year old daughter was battling a severe form of diabetes Add to that, financial pressures. And during this most severe crisis, he composed a Christmas letter and mailed it to all the members of his extended family. Many things that he had once taught as as a Bible teacher, he now felt uneasy about. What could he believe with certainty? And he came up with these three things these were the three things that carl believed that he could hold on to regardless of what life sent his way here's the three life is difficult god is merciful and heaven is sure let me ask you how is your anchor holding in these troubled times how are you handling the stress the uncertainty the constant change. Let me remind you today that we are in God's hands. He will not let us fall. A young man's wife died, leaving him with a small son. And on the day of the funeral, they came home. And, and they went to bed early because it just seems like there was nothing else that he could, he could bear to do. And as he lay there in the darkness, grief-stricken and heartbroken... The little boy broke the stillness from his little bed with a disturbing question. Daddy, where is mommy? The father got up and went and got the little fellow and brought him into bed with him. But the, the child was still disturbed and restless, occasionally asking questions like, why isn't she here, daddy? And when is she coming back? Finally, the little boy said, Daddy, If your face is toward me, I think I can go to sleep now. And in a little while, he was quiet. Listen to me now. No matter how dark it gets, God's face is always toward you. Good old Elizabeth knew that. She had an unshakable faith, which explains her. The second quality I want you to look at which explains her unbounded optimism. Mary shows up at Elizabeth's home, and Elizabeth greets her. Had Elizabeth been a pessimist, she might have said, Mary, I believe you, but this is, this is going to be a hard sell for your parents. And your neighbors, Mary, I don't know if your neighbors are ever going to believe your story. But Elizabeth wasn't a pessimist. Hear the words of Elizabeth the optimist again. You are blessed by God above all other women. And your child is blessed. But I want you to really notice these next words that Elizabeth spoke. She says, what an honor this is that the mother of my Lord should visit me. Did you notice that? Jesus was her Lord, Jesus was Elizabeth's Lord, and Jesus was not even born yet. My, Jesus is her Lord. No wonder she's an optimist. Let me ask you today, is Jesus your Lord? Is your trust firmly in him? How can you and I not be an optimist In the worst of times, if our trust is in Jesus, if our hand is in his. Two frogs fell into a deep cream bowl. One was an optimistic soul, but the other took the gloomy view. I shall drown, he cried, and so will you. So with a last despairing cry, he closed his eyes and said goodbye. But the other frog, with a merry grin, said "'I can't get out, but I won't give in. "'I'll swim around till my strength is spent, "'for having tried, I'll die content.' "'Bravely he swam until it would seem "'his struggles began to churn the cream. "'On top of the butter at last he stopped, "'and out of the bowl he happily hopped. "'I do not know the reason for that frog's optimism.' But I know the reason for Elizabeth's optimism. She lived in troubled times. Israel, at this point in their history, was under the heel of the Roman tyrant. Poverty in her country was rampant. Many people despaired of the promised Messiah's ever coming. Most of the prophecies that spoke in the Old Testament were 400 or more years old. These were dark days And yet Elizabeth had an unshakable faith in the God who had promised hundreds of years before a virgin shall be with child and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And she had an unbounded optimism. In these troubled times, think with me now, in these these troubled, unprecedented times in which we live, how can we look around us and not conclude with all this turmoil? In our world, God is surely up to something. I assure you this day on the authority of his word, he is still, he is still on the throne. He will have the last say. And maybe, Pastor Dave already made reference to this a few moments ago, maybe the return of Jesus is coming soon. You think? Come, Lord Jesus. Well, good old Elizabeth had an unshakable faith she had, which, which issued in an unbounded optimism which led to the third quality I see in her, and it's this, that led to her unquestioned obedience. Early in our story, we read, Zachariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commands and regulations. Unquestioned obedience. See it? Move ahead in our story. The baby is born. Elizabeth knows the angel had told her husband, name that baby John, but when he was eight days old, that would be the official day to announce the baby's Name neighbors, friends, relatives—all gathered. They showed up, and the and the pressure is on. And they say, even insist, name that baby Zachariah after his father. But Elizabeth says no. His name is John. Unquestioned obedience. Do we sometimes? Do you and I sometimes know what we should do, but we delay doing it? And we justify that by saying things like, well, I'm in the process here. I'm I'm working on it. But we're not. The truth is sometimes our delay to do the right thing is simply another form of disobedience. Former pastor, missionary, and author E. Stanley Jones, one of my favorite writers, He he tells this, in India, we were volunteering to do the sweeper's work, a part of which was cleaning the latrines, the washrooms. And he said, and I asked a Brahmin convert when he was going to volunteer. And this new convert replied, Brother Stanley, I'm converted, but I'm not converted that far. How far are you converted? Hear me today, only un questioned obedience. That would be full obedience, right? Leads to full joy, full peace, full contentment, full fulfillment. Good old Elizabeth. Now lest I come down to the end of this message this morning and leave you thinking like this, I'm Pastor John, I hear you, and I, I'm going to increase my faith, and I'm, I, I'm going to try to be more optimistic, and, and I'm going to do my best to be obedient. Here's my word to you. Well, that all sounds good, but it won't work. You can't do it. Did you notice in this story that Elizabeth had help on board? We read it earlier. Let me read it to you again. The angel's message to Zachariah concerning the coming of that baby John. I read it again. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And you know where that baby was before his birth, in Elizabeth's womb. And then when Mary arrived at Elizabeth's home and Mary greeted her, we read this moments ago, verse 41 of chapter 1, at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child Leap within her. Hear these next words. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what the Father wants for you and for me. Paul wrote just those words to the believers in Ephesus and also at Crosspoint and beyond. Here's the words for the church today. Let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. Good old Elizabeth. Now you understand, I'm sure, old is automatic. You don't have to do anything, you'll get old. Believe me, take it for me. But listen to me, goodness, goodness, Things, those qualities like faith and optimism and obe- obedient spirit and an optimistic spirit, goodness develops not by trying harder. You hearing this? Not by trying harder, but by inviting the Holy Spirit to fill and control us. And a byproduct is these qualities that Elizabeth exhibited. Have you invited the Holy Spirit to do that? Will you do that? Even now with me? I invite you right where you are in your home. It's okay. Just put your hands up like this as if you were about to receive something from the Father. Will you do that? Let's pray. Father, you promised the gift of your Holy Spirit. And Father, the Scripture tells us that you want to give good gifts to your children more than we want to give gifts to our own children. And we take you at your word. Father, Father, Take this man, this pastor today. Would you give me a fresh infilling of your spirit? And all who are watching, listening this day, who pray this prayer with me, with extended hands turned up, ready to receive from you, would you pour out your Holy Spirit on us and fill us and control us? This we pray in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.